Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, 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 blah, 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 blah. Boy, it has been a while, hasn't it? A little bit. That was not an intentional stumble. That was just a fumble straight out the gate. Welcome to the Chips and Bits podcast. I'm your host, Kenny Myers, and with me for the foreseeable future is... Matthew Anderson. And we are back from sabbatical uh, to give you half a year of podcasts for your enjoyment on this, the most important day in the world, the 4th of July. Matt, how are you? Uh, I'm great. I'm great. Sabbatical was good. Um, Happy to be back talking about video games. How are you doing? Uh, What did you do on your sabbatical since we only exist in this digital realm? I went to visit Boise, Idaho, and then I liked it. And then I went home to Seattle and I packed up my apartment and I moved to Boise, Idaho. Uh, And then I quit my job. So that's what I did on my sabbatical. Yep. That's right. Matt is just failing at everything. So these are the results. He moved to a lesser city in a lesser state and he lost his job. Anyway, pretty soon we'll be putting up a, uh, what's the donation site for him? GoFundMe. Yeah, GoFundMe for him to help him better his life back to where it was. Me, however, I spent a lot of time playing very long JRPGs and other very long games because Matt doesn't play those. And it was great. And it reminded me why I love video games. And here I am now podcasting with Matt. Yay. So the Chips and Bits podcast is back. Oh, yeah, I should hit the theme, huh? The Chips and Bits podcast is back. twice well what can i say it's that kind of day i just really wanted everyone to hear that splash once again today is not only the return of the chips and bits podcast but it is a A day we thought would never come a day that i thought for the life of me would never happen eventually though even though he didn't pay any money for it i got matt to play a from software game and he finished it as per our agreement and that game is Sekiro, the uh, the wolf, if you will. That's one other thing that I did on sabbatical, Kenny. I played Sekiro. He did play Sekiro. Uh, I think that was like the only game you played. What was the other game you played? Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, we did play a lot more Overwatch again. Like we did, like moody, like the moody moody bitches we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but he did. He fulfilled a promise to me with combat that he wasn't a hundred percent disgusted with because he has no taste. Uh, and he has completed Sekiro. And now we're going to talk about uh, one of my favorite from software titles for a lot of reasons. Um, but I just think uh, about Sekiro. So, Matt, I guess f- first question: cards on the table. Did you enjoy Sekiro? I did. Did you love Sekiro? Uh, I think so. 
I'm very close. I was very close to loving it. I am holding back tears. <laughs> I, you know, it's, uh, I think the, the best way to describe it is that it, do- it does feel like, unlike some other games I've played, I definitely have a relationship with Sekiro now. So, you know, <laughs> there is, that's where sort of like the love angle comes in. I, you know, I, I will say like when I started playing it, it, it was grindy in the beginning. You have to mm-hmm. kind of grind through some stuff. You have to learn the game. Uh, I expected it to be somewhat tedious and very difficult. And the learning curve, it's funny. Unlike the other From games I've played, the learning curve is a lot less steep um, in the very beginning as far as like getting the basic combat. And then the moving around is much more fun, uh, much more action you know, based with the, the zip line mechanic and whatnot. So it is a little bit faster to start, but then there's a pretty big valley, uh, especially once you start hitting the first bosses where you just, you get punched in the face over and over again because you're just not good enough at the game yet. Um, And whether, I think the most difficult thing for me to parse is whether or not, had I not made the promise to you, would I have made it through that grindy part in the beginning? And I think the answer is yes. Uh, I think think the world, I think the combat, I think the... Uh, the pacing of the game was more than good enough in the beginning that had I just played it on my own, I would have continued. And I'm glad that I did because, because in the end, yeah, boy, it's, it's just a great game top to bottom. By the time you finish it, um, as long as you could put, put your paces through it and and be patient. Um, Yeah. I mean, based on like the progress we heard, you actually were better than most of us at playing that game for the first time. Like for, how long it took you to beat the last boss versus how long it took Andrew, uh, Andrew, my brother, uh, who we played it at the same time. So I am, I'm linked with him on this. Uh, just the last boss. And most people I know take a lot of turns. And I think it took you like three or four. No, not the last one. I mean, like the last, uh, well, I mean the, the third to last took me, I think that was the weird one. It took me like yeah. two or three tries. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, yeah, I, I beat him. And you're like, what? Um, but then there's the the we, the fire demon. Mm-hmm. Um, that fire that fire demon took me, I don't know, 40, 40 45 tries. But over. I mean that like well, I want to get to the fire demon later. Let's let's talk about it. Cause I want to talk about uh, one of the things like in the Ghost of Tsushima podcast, they talked about loving the sword play and like loving the sword play. And after I had played Sekiro and I loved Sekiro. The sword play on Tsushima felt like a cruel joke. Like it felt like it felt like it felt like uh, like the kitty version. Like it just didn't have the tightness or the uh, like responsiveness expected of Sekiro. And Sekiro, you can like tune it so that it gets even harder. So you have to be more precise. And I was wondering, I asked you if you did you get a chance to play Tsushima a little bit with the sword? Yes, I did my homework. Oh, you did your homework. And what do you think? Yeah, um, well, I can tell you for certain that the very first thing um, I found myself, well, so first I had to relook up the controls because I just, right. I, I didn't want to start at the beginning because there's a long prologue. So I jumped into my New Game Plus somewhere in the middle of like a Mongol base or something. Yeah. And had to look up the controls really quick. And I was like, okay, block. Yeah, got it. And the very first thing I did was multi-tap L1 to block just <laughs> repeatedly, which doesn't work in Tsushima. It wants yeah. you to time a single parry instead of, you know, you're you're at your like weird um yeah, tr- trigger finger from from Sekiro. So I did that and messed up quite a bit and died very quickly. Yeah. And then, you know, I played it for about an hour 
and I finally got got back into the flow of the combat. And I think you know, for me, they're just different. I, Sekiro is a much like the game is much more. Um, how do I word it? Like the 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 combat and and the the battle system is is much more woven into the game. It, it almost feels like they're sort of like one, and you can't separate them. Right. Where in Tsushima, you could you you could plug in almost any other combat system that was good um and it would work because the 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 game is sort of like its own thing yeah um i would say that like tsushima yeah it's not it's not about finesse as much as i thought it was the first time i played it um because man if you just mash the attack button you can break through so much of the enemy's guard um but you also one of the things you can do in tsushima which you can't do as well in sekiro is you can fight an entire crowd of guys. Like you can fight 12 guys at once in Tsushima and it can be action packed and you can flow through all of them and mix all these moves together and just dismantle 12 enemies. Yeah, Uh, man, if you were surrounded by 12 enemies in Sekiro, you're dead. Like pretty much that's, that's how that goes. You don't ever want to be surrounded by more than one ideally, but like two or three is enough. Um, So that was basically my, my thought. It definitely didn't have the finesse that I thought it did. It still seemed fun and fluid, um, but I would just I would just define it as more of like an action style combat system, and Sekiro yeah. is much more of like an actual combat system, which yeah. I guess I hadn't honestly um, experienced prior to that. Yeah, I think it's funny you bring up. I thought the way you described the tale of Sekiro is really, really uh, one of the things I think that differentiates it from a lot of other. There are many things. I mean, if I were to say like. Sekiro is is unique in the the from software the people who make Dark Souls, um, Demon Souls, and now the very successful Elden Ring and Bloodborne, and then this game is like very unique in that pantheon. But you describe one of the reasons I love it so much, which is that in Dark Souls, eventually you can just get so powerful that you can just mow through people. Like you can just you can just get like you could just look up a guide to figure out how to become incredibly powerful quickly. There's still challenge. There always is. Like bosses will still be hard, but like uh, you you could just like it's an RPG in that sense. In Sekiro, no matter what, you have to constantly increase your skill with all the things you are given, and it doesn't taper off. Uh, it, the last boss fight is considered one of From's hardest bosses, but every every From game is actually generally always divided into three chapters. And at the end of the Sekiro chapters, they're not officially marked as chapters, but you kind of know where they are. You always end up on this rooftop fight with like a, a level of bad guy that's just like, are you sure you're ready to go forward? Like, I, I don't know if that's, um, I don't know if that's, if you're really ready to go forward. And, like, the first one you encounter is, uh, I think it's Genichiro, uh, if I'm not mistaken. The lightning. Yeah. Uh, and his, his first of all, uh, most of the fights in those games are two levels. Like, like, most of the bosses are, like, one, two levels. And they have a really cool system where you do this, like, ultimate attack and blood flies everywhere. Um, but that's, like, the first three-level boss fight. And the third round is so different from the other two rounds. It's, like, a whole different scheme, but it still fits naturally into the boss fight. Um, and then once you beat that boss, you're actually fighting a whole new layer of bosses. And in my, like, in my opinion, with one exception, like, the middle part of Sekiro has one of the... In my favorite boss in FromSoft's 
series, which is the poop throwing monkey. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love the monkey. The monkey is so challenging. It's such a hard boss fight. And it's so funny when you come back to it after having played the game, like if you've gone through it again, like a new game or new game plus, for example, how much easier it is. Like all these fights are easier. Um, but it's just one of the most creative. I'm going to spoil things a little bit here. It's just, it has two phases and they're two different style of phases, but he's very challenging because he's one of the quickest bosses. Like he just moves so quickly and he's so big and he can cover so much ground that you have to essentially just constantly be knowing when to block, knowing when to, uh, attack, like knowing when to run away from him as fast as possible. And the music is really good. And then it looks like you kill him by chopping off his head. And in what must be one of the best sequences of video games, his body rises up and moves completely differently, which you find out and later. there's is- such a delay. I mean, it, it's just the, the timing of you feeling so good. heroic yeah. after finally defeating him. A brutal him. fight. Oh. And, <laughs> and I was streaming like another one of the things that we made, like, we made Matt stream it. I made Matt stream it. And I sent, I, you didn't know this, but I sent messages to everyone, which got them to show up that I was like, he's about to fight the monkey and he hasn't gotten to phase two yet. And then like five people show up watching you stream it. Cause we it all was, know what's going to happen. The first time I ever really enjoyed streaming because I, like one of the problems I have with streaming is that I don't talk as much as most people do when I play video games. Like I, I get very focused and this game is absolute. It's an even worse exception where I had to be lightning focused yeah. to do any of these bosses. And yeah, it, it makes you feel like I finally did it with a crowd watching me. And I was like, yeah, like I'm, I'm yelling for joy. Like, like I'm so excited that I finally did this and I'm talking and I'm getting distracted. And then his dead corpse stands up and it was like, <laughs> Oh, for fuck's sake. I, like, I can't believe I'm not done yet. We were all so happy at that point. It was just so funny. Um, but I think like th- that part of the boss fight is actually pretty easy. Uh, fortunately, mm-hmm. like once you learn how to, to, deflect which i think you you picked up pretty quickly i think it only took like two or three tries to do it um but this is one thing i love about this game is that once you learn that fight from will always try to do something that incorporates that fight and then makes you also try to level up like and generally like there are a lot of repeat fights in this game with with characters that even though you've seen their designs before like they just add something new enough to them that is just so interesting um I mean, the boss design is is excellent in Sekiro. All the bosses, with the exception of the monkeys, which I think you liked. There's like a weird monkey puzzle one that's kind of oh, funny. The, yeah, the invisible ones. Yeah, it's just kind of silly. Like, they always have weird, silly bosses. But, like, when you're playing through the game, you eventually get to a point where you go into this cavern, and then the monkey appears again uh, that you just fought in worm mode. And then, like, halfway through their health bar, of which there's only one, another monkey appears. And the monkeys are now the two different movesets because the the first one's controlled by a worm, you find out. And the second one is like a full monkey, like doing the same movesets at the same time that was so upsetting before. But when you conquer that, and it's actually much easier than the first time you played through it, like that's what makes From Games so phenomenal. And I think you captured that with the idea of streaming like they're they, they feel like achievements but they don't feel like cheap like achievements they feel like they were earned properly like yeah not at all yeah mm-hmm. i don't I mean yeah you covered so much ground there but i i agree I, I feel like 
I didn't feel overpowered in this game until I beat the game and then started playing New Game Plus, and then you just walk through the level and you just mow people over. And I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> this game's easy now. Um, so yeah, pacing-wise and, and leveling, um, one of the things I really loved about this game was that it did, it, it forced you not just skill-wise and, and, and level-wise to sort of explore and learn the map organically and where the bosses were so that you would, because you needed to know when you were ready to fight a boss. Furthermore, um, after the first couple of times you spend a skill point on a skill that doesn't benefit you for a boss, you only make that mistake one time. And then you're like, okay, I need to go around, find out which bosses are which, and then decide which one I think I can beat so that I can spend my skill point on the most um, natural upgrade that I know will help me with this with this boss. Yeah. Um, so I, I love that aspect of it. Uh, and then I think the other thing that that contributed to is the thing that you and I harp on a lot when it comes to um, any any game where there's a leveling and an upgrade tree in the sense that sometimes they just, it's it's all flash, right? And, there, and there's a lot of cool stuff, and, but it's overwhelming. And then you end up coming up with some sort of kit that you use all the time anyways. And then you never really explore all those other skills. And it kind of feels like, man, that was a lot of effort and I don't really care yeah. about those skills. And this is the exact opposite. I mean, you you are always utilizing absolutely every aspect of the skill tree at all times and most of the time you're exhausting it so like you're constantly running up against a wall where you just don't have the skill set to compete in the game and you need to go get it so it always just feels like you have the bare minimum toolbox to get one step further and then you're like oh thank god i better go get some more tools um and that's kind of that's kind of like the motto of the game I think that like that's actually a pattern. He's not Matt has not played any other FromSoftware games. That's a pattern all the way in, through in their games that is really uh, I think you touched on really well. When you play those games, like you can play all those games without doing anything. People have beaten them without even leveling up. Like, naked, no armor, no nothing. Like, their basic starter weapon, they just go through, they upgrade what they need, and then they do. In Sekiro, it's actually really interesting because you have these skills, you're limited in which skills you can do, and there's, like, skill trees, but they're different skill books. So, like, you can only do one certain tree if you want to get something. And so what Matt did, which... I didn't really do on my playthrough, but is one of the, like the ethos of from software is like within their systems, they reward different things really, really well. So like in a horizon game, like, yeah, you can go down the attack tree or like one tree, like, and just stick to one mode of play and get it done. But the thing is when you face a boss in Sekiro and you've learned a specific like weapon tree, like the advantage you get is so significant compared to if you didn't that that exploration of that and then then you start combining them like is really just so well thought out like do you after beating it i mean you're not a from software obsessive you still don't want you don't want to play the other games but like do you maybe have a little bit more of an understanding of why people talk about their game design how they think about games do you think that that was any way informed by this well, it had to be at least slightly. My 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 always my major gripe with with the From games were how the combat system felt, um, in the sense that like the the commitment to realism for me 
diminished my enjoyment of like actually sitting down and playing the game. I, I don't, I know I have a heavy ax. I don't want it to take three seconds for me to swing it. Right. <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and so the fact that, that Sekiro as part of its differentiating factor sort of normalized all of that so that once you got to know all of your weapons and you constantly could switch between them and you just got used to the fluidity of, of, of movement and, and, and actually the, the parrying mechanic, um, it felt more like an action game. Um, and and the, uh, the fidelity, I guess, of you know, tapping the button and action happening felt more instantaneous. Uh, and and that, to me, that was more rewarding. So it certainly put me in a place where since I got to experience all of like a game's entire tree of bosses um, and how they unlock different levels and the backtracking mechanics and the movement and the world, um, you know, I just, it, it, it certainly made me feel like, gosh, I wish, well, I hope that they make more games that have some, you know, differentiating sauce like Sekiro or just more Sekiro style games um, yeah. with that, with, with a more fast paced sort of like um, instantaneous trigger happy, combat system for someone like me because i certainly enjoyed everything else um and i think i would probably have enjoyed it you know in all the other games what what i've played of elden ring so far feels the same way where i'm just like ah, i i wish that this was a little bit more a little less clunky feeling because i want to go and explore the world it's just it's so um penalizing to me from like a combat system standpoint yeah but it's what's so interesting is that that's a lot about weapon choice in those games. Um, yeah. There, I mean, but the mechanic, I mean, no combat feels as tight in any game I've ever played as Sekiro. Like, the blocking is so precise and it's so satisfying. Like, this game, uh, so, I, I mean, review, like, I've always loved this game. I've loved it for years. I think I even brought it up, like, several times. Um I I actually destroyed an Xbox my my Xbox Elite controller on this game. I think the I L the L one button. Yeah, the L one yeah, button. That's not surprising. Actually, the triggers on it were less like comparatively like the weakest non replaceable part on it, and and the L one I hit so much because it's your block and you're using it constantly in this game. It's essentially like a rhythm game, uh, the way you use L one in this. Uh, that it actually broke my controller and I could no longer use it. And I had to like, like use another Xbox controller uh, because of this game. And it wasn't an, an anger thing either. I wasn't like aggressively. It was just like you, you just, ha- you're so precise. So you're constantly like trying to get the timing right. Um, I mean, it was part of the learning mechanic for me too. In, in the first time you fight a bot, which we haven't really. We haven't really talked about this either yet. And again, this is one of the things that I felt was so, so good um, about this game, the, the combat system and the boss, boss, uh, uh, the bosses kind of all tied together is that all other games, as you learn how to play and as you progress through bosses, most of the time the bosses are just, if they're a test at all, they're a test of if you've mastered your own skills yet. Um, yeah. You got a new power? Cool. Do you know exactly how to use it? If so, this boss is going to test you. And it, and it does that. Sekiro does that for sure. But to Kenny's earlier point, it also tries to test any like passive or secondary skills that you may have developed slowly from just like secondary characters and, and leveling mechanics. Um, they all have different abilities. They all have different pace of fighting. Some of them are very slow. Some of them are super fast. Um, and so part of that learning mechanic when you first encounter a boss is you don't know when they're going to be 
you know, striking with a blockable, a parryable mover, whether you need to get out of the way. And so at first, you just sort of like, since you don't know exactly when to block to do a perfect parry, you just kind of like repeatedly tap the block over and over again until yeah. you learn exactly what the pace of the boss's um, fighting style is. And then you'll sort of like learn and stop tapping it as much and only start striking it um, to do perfect blocks. Um, but yeah, I, man, I had an achy finger the first, first couple of nights I played. Yeah. I should have, I should have asked you to record, like just put a microphone right by your finger versus like the end battle. Cause it's true. Like now when I play Sekiro, uh, even having gone through their other games, which also involve like price surprise, like, uh, like a timing mechanism. Like one of the things they always do is the, um, your actions queue up, which causes a lot of frustration of people who are used to being like, hey, XX, oh, wait, no, I have to cancel. They don't cancel in those games. They go all the way through. Um, and the same could be said for Sekiro. And, uh, you know, playing through it now, I'm just like, like you said, it'd be like, duh, 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 duh. and and if I've played it so many times, I've, I've gone through several new games. I haven't gotten the ending you got humorously. Um, oh, really? Yeah. But it's just like, it's just like, click, click 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 like it's just very mm -hmm. mechanical and you feel the thing about the game is that you feel that accomplishment like when you're playing the combat like a new game plus you're just like holy shit like i'm i'm really good at this i'm good at this game now like i, I oh it's, yeah it's it, its own it's its own skill the, the game is its own yeah, yeah. And Life it's rewarding. Skills. Like it feels like rewarding, especially like when you have like the, you know, fourth and one kind of uh, setups that will happen sometimes where you're just out of healing things and you're down to your last bit of health and so are the other enemies. And 99% of the time it goes to the enemy because they usually will just do something. But uh, there's like you, you jump. It's the kind of game you like jump in victory to, yeah. which happens less and less, I feel. Yeah, I I definitely agree. That that the final when you have to fight um uh Ishin, was Ishin his yeah, name? Ishin. Um in the in the well, final boss. Technically boss, it I mean, wasn't Ishin, really. Well yeah, some whatever the, the manifestation saint. of Ishin yeah. Ishin um, the sword saint. Um, you know, that that is one of those where it's basically um, you know, now that we now that we just hopefully eloquently described how how Sekiro sort of mixes and matches all these different things, when you get to the final boss fight, basically they're like Cool. Um, hopefully, you're good enough at literally everything <laughs> because it's a full-on kitchen sink. Like yeah. everything you've encountered in the game, um, you do have to sort of like pick a tactic. I, I felt I feel like there was only two or three maybe good combinations of move sets um, and skills and weapons that were very effective um, across the three different phases of the final boss. But yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where you get into that fight. And the first couple of times you're getting um, the opportunity to learn the move set, you're like, okay, he's got lightning. I know what how to deal with that. Oh, he moves quick with the swift dash. I know how to deal with that. Oh, that's blockable. I need to get out of the way of this. Oh, I need to get distance. Like you've you've uh, you've got all these skills, and you start feeling like, I totally got this. <laughs> I totally yeah. got this, and you feel absolutely super, like superhuman at least through the first phase. Um, and then, oh my god, it took me multiple evenings 
to yeah. even get through the second phase of that fight to the third phase. Um, oh, that is just... one you. No, you know what it was? The one that, that took you like one try was the owl, was the father. Right. The... It took me tw- two tries or two or three right. tries. Yeah. Which was like took me like so many tries, but like it's the end of that's essentially chapter two. But yes, he did suffer through Sword St. Isha like the rest of us, which was like a two I or did. three nighter. It, it's a brutal thing. And like one of the most fu- one of the most hilarious parts out of it is out of nowhere he gets this very modern gun and he just shoots at you, which is a very like from software like it just doesn't make any sense. Um, which did, does remind me, I think the boss I feel like in hindsight I had the most unreasonable difficulty with was the first time you encounter. I think I think the boss name was Snake Eyes or Snake Eater or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's the first uh, boss you encounter that has a gun. Um, and oh yeah. I just felt like I had no, I, I just could not cannon. figure out. It's a cannon. It's not a gun. It's a cannon. I couldn't figure out how to deal with it. Like yeah. distance didn't help at first. Um, perfectly timed dodging would, but then you couldn't get cl- Like you couldn't close the gap because you were too far away. Like learning that boss was, was very difficult yeah. for me. Um, that, I want to go back to um, the boss. You said you had the most trouble with, which was the fire demon. Oh God. That the fire awesome. demon's an optional Insane. late day, late game uh, bonus boss essentially. And I think, I think th- I actually think it's designed really poorly. Um, and the reason I do is because I think that boss more than any other boss in the game doesn't rely on everything you've learned. Like, like you, you get to that point and like blocking all that stuff. Like it just doesn't really matter. It's really mostly about survival and you aggression. Have to run away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you must have to run away. And, and then like, make sure you survive. have a fire shield. Like that's yep, essentially it. Yeah. And it, it, and like, there are very few other ways to beat that boss. And, and I, you know, every once in a while there's a clunker, it's a cool looking boss and it's cool fighting him because of his story. But, um, I, the fact that it took you that long and that you did it was, uh, was impressive. You can cheese him though. You can teach him, to, you can get him to jump off the edge, which is really fun to do. The edge. It's yeah, you can, actually, you can actually, you oh, can actually like, I know what, yeah, I know. You can actually like walk him to the edge and he'll commit there, suicide. There's so a tiny fun. edge. Yeah, yeah. On one side. That's right. Yeah. Huh, um, interesting. Which, you know, based on his life, suicide feels like a natural progression from fire demon. Um, well, one, one of my anecdotally, one of my favorite like pastimes that I'll always remember now, um, you mentioned um, your brother, Andrew, and how the two of you are deep into, into this game and, and really love it. One of my favorite things was every time I, I didn't want to, just like every other game, I didn't want to Google and try and look things up. I wanted to try and learn and deal with as much as I could on my own. Yeah. But, you know, I don't consider asking friends for tips to be cheating or looking things up. And so you know, I would do my best. But once I got to like time 15 or try 20, mm-hmm. um, I would text you and your brother and be like, hey, I, what do I do with this boss? Like, give me just a hint. And I loved that. Literally every time I would text, your brother would just respond with, "Have you tried blocking?" <laughs> it was his like, response to every every first question was like, "Try parrying." Yeah, uh, and I'd be like, "Oh, I can't." You know, it's, it's just this unblockable stuff. And he'd write back, "I don't know, man. Try parrying." <laughs> and then of course that would all because that's usually always the solution in Sekiro is figure out how to parry that boss. It is true, and they, it's obscured. That's what makes yes. it really interesting. Is like a lot of the boss attacks, you can tell. Uh, right away that they're parryable because there's like a sword swinging at you. 
But then, like, what online helps with is you just look at, like, this crazy big boss that you're like, no way. And it turns out, like, you can parry it in three different places. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the parry mechanism uh, is really well thought out in this game. Because there's, like, two combat bars, which didn't really talk about this. But the reason you want to parry a lot is because it builds out their, um, gosh, what's it called? I I forget it. It's not focus. It's... uh... I don't know. You you talk. I'll I'll look it up. Uh, well, you know, there's a normal. You can kill a boss by draining its uh, HP normally, uh, and it, and but some bosses are just designed where there is they have so much HP that there's no way posture. Uh, yeah, there's no way you're going to be able to kill them like and them move as fast and fighting back as they will. So there's a second mechanism which involves perfect blocking and like doing counterattacks, the counterattacks, which are some of my favorite, those they're the most satisfying counterattacks uh, in Especially gaming. the spear one. Oh the, my God, oh, the, the spear, spear counter. One. The Makuri counter. counter. Yes. Oh my God, it's the best. Uh, it's just, it's so, like the moves are so satisfying to pull off. And typically that's the way you want to beat the bosses. Typically. Uh, is not worry about their health bar because once they break their posture, they'll take the same sort of killing blow that they would if you killed their HP. And some bosses are a combination of both, but man yeah like a perfect example i can't remember the boss's name but who uh you might it's it's the like the spirit uh that wears the robe and carries a huge like scythe and spins around the like jumps at you. the uh, monk yeah oh my god so the first time you encounter this monk it's first of all it's gigantic it's gigantic person looking thing yeah um but it moves like it it floats because it's it's ethereal and it makes funny noises it's always yeah. it's just like tripping you out the corrupted monk moves. Yeah, it moves in weird patterns because it floats and then it can jump fast. Um, and it it was the first one, the first boss I encountered where, uh, you know, Sekiro kind of throws this overwhelming aspect of the attacks to you where it's like, it's sort of like uh, lures you in with a false sense of like, here's a, here's a blow, here's a blow. And then the whirlwind attack just comes at you with like five attacks. And you'll if you don't get out of the way or block those, you will die yeah. um, instantly. And I was trying to counter, but it was, it was it was such a brutal and like scary fast attack that it like it it scares you and like you don't re- react the way that you would normally do it. And that was an example of one of the bosses where I texted your brother and he responded with, "Just parry, Just parry all the attacks." And I was like, "Dude, it's not like I can't I can't parry all those attacks." And sure enough, the very first time I was able to do that, it's like you actually now now like in hindsight when you encounter that boss the next time. You don't even give a shit about those first moves. You're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are your dumb moves. Just dodge out of the way. Not even waste your blocking on it because yeah. their posture will refill. You actually wait for the scary attack that used to scare the shit out of you. And when that whirlwind attack comes, you just perfect parry. One, two, three, four, five. Like t- time it perfectly right. Break all their posture. Kill the boss. And you're like, wow. I am, I am insanely superhuman and skilled at this game. And all I had to do, just like your brother said, was block. Yeah. Uh, especially when you f- encounter a giraffe in this game, still one of my favorite boss names in in all this history. If you ever get, we're we're coming on time, but yeah. uh, if you're listening this far in, Google giraffe Sekiro and see see what what the giraffe is. It's also a really fun fight. You should watch a YouTube video of it. And it's uh, not actually a giraffe. Uh, very good, Matt. You've, you've you you took out any sort of subtext. Like like a true professional. That, when you're done with that, you should Google Mercury Counter. Oh, um, so satisfying. I don't I don't think I don't think Googling it 
It's Probably just, not because you got to feel it. Like you have to feel the press of that button and, and what the, happens. the vibration. It's just oh, perfect. Good. It's just one of the best controls in video games. Well, Matt, what would you say uh, about people who haven't picked up Sekiro? What would you tell them? Uh, I mean, I would certainly say if you are a fan of other action games and combat games, and you've always wanted to get into a From game, maybe you've even tried a couple of them like I have, and then, you know, Sekiro came around and you're like, nope, I don't like those games. I'm not going to play just like me. Um, I bet you're a perfect candidate for trying this game and pushing through the, the early game to see if you'll enjoy it. I, like I said, I, I, I don't quite know if I, if I loved it, but it was very close to loving it. And um, certainly feel like by the end, I developed a very deep and solid skill that I cannot use for anything other than this game. But the depth of skill I have is palpable and measurable. Um, and I can't say that, you know, I can't say that about many other games that I've played. So certainly it's, it's rewarding and super fun. Uh, like the world, the world is great too. So like you will get reward if you put in the effort, you won't just get rewarded with the skill. Like the game itself is, we, we didn't even really talk about it, <laughs> any of that, but like the game itself, you know, the characters, the, the, the world, the fidelity of the graphics, the art direction, it's all amazing. Um, so it's, it's, it's worth putting in the effort for sure. I love that game. That was my game of the year. I wonder what game, if you would go back and revise your game of the year for that year. What year did it come out? I think it was 2019, maybe 2018. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. What would have been my game of the year for that year? I don't know. 2019. Yeah, 2019 it came out. Um, okay, Control, Death Stranding. You really love Death Stranding. Outer Wilds was probably up there for you. Uh, I know you really loved uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses. That was right up your alley. Okay, hold on. I know I know what game we picked for um, 2019 because of when we played it. Um, it was Hades. Was Hades 2019? Yeah, because it came out at the end of 2000. No, Hades was 2020. I don't know, man. Yeah, Hades was officially released uh, on December in 2020. Oh, I see it was released to Nintendo Switch in 2020. But it's like the beta release was 2018, and I think it came out in the summer of 2019. That's not true. It was it was two years. It took a while for them to get there. I know because I would have definitely picked Hades for that year. Yeah. <laughs> like I I love Sekiro, but Hades is a masterpiece. All right. Well, we need to finish up because we've already gone too long. Even though we're back, I know it's nice to hear our sweet the sweet dulcimer tones of our voices. I mean, but, hopefully it was. Yeah, or not? Who knows? But you're still here, so obviously. Um, and for, and so for this episode of the Chips and Bits podcast, I have been Kenny Myers, and with me, always in spirit, if not in Seattle anymore. It's me, Matthew Anderson. Thank you so much for listening while we took a break. Uh, we have a ton of games that we've played that we are going to get through. So you're going to see a lot of cool titles uh, pop up. Hopefully ones that we liked, maybe some we hated. and maybe As some we, we power liked. through to episode 100. Yes, Matt's, Matt's favorite number. I mean, it's favorite thing to do. Anyway, uh, that's it. Let's do the theme song thing again. The theme song thing. Uh, here's, here's your theme song. <laughs>